Welcome to day 235 of season two, uh, shaped by the word, the drama of scripture. We've been reading through the prophet Isaiah. Of course, we're noticing a lot of rich themes in Isaiah that uh, we see more vividly in our in our New Testament. And of course, the prophets uh, really form our expectations of the coming king of Israel, uh, the hope of renewal, the hope of a, a person coming in the name of the Lord, restoring not only the hopes of Israel, but restoring Israel to be what she was called to be, a blessing uh, to the nations. And uh, we come again to a very familiar passage, and uh, as we read it in context, we'll be reading part of chapter 8. We'll start at the end of chapter 8 and read through the first part uh, of chapter 10 as we're introduced uh, more fully to the vision uh, you know, that we uh, talked about yesterday, the vision of a child that would change, uh, be a, a sign of the change of, of fortunes uh, for Israel and pointing to the far greater child uh, born in Bethlehem. Before we read, as always, let's offer ourselves in this moment to the Lord. Cindy, do you mind lifting us up with a word of prayer? I'm I'm Paul Kemp, by the way, here with Cindy Kemp and David Keefe and Matt Kresge. All these Ks. Mm -hmm. A lot of Ks. Father, thank you so much for time in your word. Father, we want very much to um, have you, just by your spirit, open our eyes to the things that you have for us here that you would teach our hearts, Lord, and um, cause us to either be convicted, Father, of sin or encouraged by our time here. And so, Father, we just ask that you give us all that we need through your word today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Isaiah chapter 8, beginning of verse 19. When someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Unconsult the dead on behalf of the living. Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to these words, they have no light of the dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged and look upward, will curse their God and their king. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they'll be thrust into utter darkness. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea, by the, beyond the Jordan. People walking in darkness have seen a great light. Of those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You've enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as a people rejoice at harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors. Every warrior's boots will be used in battle, and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning and will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The Lord has sent a message against Jacob. It will fall on Israel. All people will know it. Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria, who say with pride and arrogance of heart, The bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild with dressed stones. The fig trees have been felled, but we will replace them with cedars. But the Lord has strengthened Rezin's foes against them and spurred their enemies on. Arameans from the east and Philistines from the west have devoured Israel with open mouth. Yet for all this, his anger is not turned away. His hand is still upraised. 
But the people have not returned to him who struck them, nor have they sought the Lord Almighty. So the people were cut off from Israel, both head and tail, both palm branch and reed in a single day. The elders and dignitaries are the head, the prophets who teach lies are the tail. Those who guide this people mislead them, and those who are guided are led astray. Therefore the Lord will take no pleasure in the young men. Nor will he pity the fatherless and the widows, for everyone is ungodly and wicked. Every mouth speaks folly. Yet for all this, his anger is not turned away. His hand is still upraised. Surely wickedness burns like fire. It consumes briars and thorns. It sets forests and thickets ablaze. So it rolls upward in a column of smoke. By the wrath of the Lord Almighty, the land will be scorched and the people will be fuel for the fire. They will not be spared, uh, one, and they will not spare one another. On the right they will devour, but still be hungry. On the left they will eat, but not be satisfied. Each will feed on the flesh of their own offspring. Manasseh will feed on Ephraim, and Ephraim on Manasseh. Together they will turn against Judah. Yet for all this, his anger is not turned away. His hand is still upraised. Woe to those who make unjust laws, to those who issue oppressive decrees, to deprive the poor of their rights and withhold justice from the oppressed of my people, making widows their prey and robbing the fatherless. What will you do on the day of reckoning when disaster comes from afar? To whom will you run for help? Where will you leave your riches? Nothing will remain but to cringe among the captives or fall among the slain. Yet for all of this, his anger is not turned away, and his hand is still upraised. And so we have in uh, these chapters we've read both the sign of the hope but the sign of coming destruction. And, and remember, Isaiah was told that uh, his message would not be a message that would lead to repentance, but to hardening. These uh, people would be ever hearing, but not hearing. Uh, they would not turn to God and, and to be healed. But then he gives us, you know, the first part of this, the, the, the coming time when God's healing will be complete, when his judgment has fulfilled its causes, purposes, the people have been restored, uh, and unto us a child is born. And, and you have the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, which were the first two cities taken, you know, by Assyria, mm-hmm. and, and they will be the first to see the hope of the coming king. Hmm. You know, one of the things that stands out to me, uh, obviously, we have you know the great passages that and the great promise that um, we revisit often, but right after that, when the Lord's anger is against Israel and. Yeah, verse 13 says, but the people have not returned to him who struck them, nor have they sought the Lord Almighty. You know, that a lot of times I think we can think of the Lord's judgment mm-hmm. or, or discipline on Israel as a unloving, you know, or we try to reconcile this whole idea of how could a loving God do something like this. And yet, you know, here you see that this was actually a loving measure by the Lord. One, it upholds his, his justice and holiness, but at the same time, his desire is not just to simply cause destruction among his people. It's that the Lord, the people would return to him. I mean, we're, we're seeing that the heart of the, the Lord here that, um, you know, he, he strikes them so that they would seek him and they would return to him and they would be his people and, and know him. And, and then it would be characterized by justice as his people, you know? And, and so we're seeing not only are the people doing whatever they choose to do and, and, and go their own ways, but they don't, they don't seek the Lord. They don't, characterize the Lord. They don't look like the Lord. In fact, they're they're far from him and they continue to run in the opposite direction. Yeah. And and, and of course you've 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 made a good comparison, you know, his his judgment uh and, and his discipline. And, and of course the writer of Hebrews would tell us do not despise 
Uh, the Lord's disciplining you because He disciplines everyone that He loves as a son. And if you have not been disciplined, you may, you know, yeah. not be a, you know, a true son or illegitimate, you know, son. So God is constantly at work, both through His gracious acts toward us. You know, we, yeah. we've talked about the vineyard, in which He made the wall and cultivated the fields and put the choices of vines in and yeah. and dug a deep, you know, wine press and the care that He had for His vineyard. But also, you know, the judgment. So even his, even his judgment is a mercy to yeah. lead us back, uh, you know, to the one, uh, you know, who has yeah. has given us his grace and his and mercy. And he calls Israel his firstborn son. You know, so we we should immediately think the Lord's not just being cruel to his his firstborn son, but he mm-hmm. loves his son. I love there in the start of verse two in chapter nine, where we see this. The people walking in darkness, you know, have seen a great light. Those living in the land of deep darkness, you know, a light has dawned. And, and even from the beginning of scriptures, we see, you know, from darkness, we have light. And then, you know, Jesus comes on the scene and he says, I'm the light of the world. You know, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. So just that play of, of darkness and light, it's, it's all throughout the scriptures, picked up here in the Old Testament, picked up obviously in the epistles, but also a way that Jesus describes himself as that person bringing the true light of the world. So it's just cool to see that all throughout Scripture. No, that is uh, that's a mega theme all the way all the th- way through. And of mm-hmm. course, Jesus uh, saying, "I am the light of the world." Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the true sense that brings uh, you know uh, uh, light into the light into the darkness. And, and again, you know, I emphasize that in, in my introduction. You know, Zevlin and Naphtali. Uh, we're the cities that were on the border, and so as Assyria comes down, they're the first of all. As a matter of fact, they they lose these two cities early on, uh, before the entire you know ten tribes you know succumb you know to, uh, you know to Assyria, and in, in the same way that they were the first to fall, they will be the first to see the light. And of course, in the Gospels, uh, Jesus' early ministry is always in, in the Galilee, up in this you know kind of crescent, mm-hmm. uh, in in the same area. And so uh, Matthew notices this mm-hmm. uh, to the people living in great darkness have come a great light speaking of the ministry of Jesus. I think what stood out to me um, in starting in 9-8 where it talks about the Lord's anger against Israel, um, you know, just that the people have pride and arrogance of heart and it says where the bricks have fallen down, we will rebuild with dressed stone and the figs have failed, we will price them with cedars just a reminder to me that um, we just, in our own pride, are always looking for ways to kind of, I don't know, find our own way, maybe even create our own salvation for ourselves, but instead of... That's know, right. It's no big deal. We'll just... Humility, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of fun. The bricks are gone. Now let's use uh, dress stones. Mm-hmm. Of course, for those of us lead, living in Cedar Park, we'd rather uh, replace the, 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 the cedars <laughs> Cedar with fig trees. Yeah. Uh, but they're talking allergies. about the, you know the hard wood of the cedars, you know that makes mm-hmm. these luxurious palaces. Yeah, you know for them, you know in that particular instance. And of course, we've uh, we have we always you know moved to the encouragement of this passage, uh, and and we've you know we've we focused a lot on you know on on the part of the passage, you know that is a. Uh, uh, you know, speaking more of judgment, but this beautiful vision, we're going to see this a little bit tomorrow when we read 11 and 12 as well. For us to a child is born, a son is given, the government will be on his shoulder. He'll be called a wonderful counselor, uh, which is kind of the way Isaiah describes God, a mighty God, everlasting father, 
Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He'll reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. It'll be a work of the Lord, not of people who are replacing bricks with dressed stone or replacing fig trees, you know, with hardwoods and cedars uh, to build their luxurious, you know, palaces. But you just have to love that from that time and forever more mm-hmm. uh, the permanence of the kingdom you know in the in the coming of the, this this child mm-hmm. and and just like that you know as you look at think about the prince of peace contrasted with later on in chapter 9 you know on the right they will devour but still be hungry on the left they will eat but not be satisfied there's the, those hungers and those satisfactions mm-hmm. we keep looking for and longing for that they're not found anywhere outside of that Prince of Peace. He's the one that brings mm-hmm. the satisfaction yeah, that, and that calms fullness, the hunger. That contentment. Yeah, yeah you're, mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. Uh, we quote Augustine here, you know, so often, uh, our hearts are uh, made for thee and restless until they find their rest. In, and I don't know why we do Augustine and <laughs> King James. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> should have probably done him in Latin uh, as far as that. Father, we do thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus in the middle of the calamities around us and the unrest in the world and and the false hopes for which we look uh, to satisfy our hunger and our thirst. We thank you for the invitation of Jesus. If anyone is hungry, come to me and I will give him true food. If any is thirsty, I will give him water to drink. And we thank you for his words to the woman of the well. Whoever drinks from this well will never be thirsty again. We thank you for the deep satisfaction we find in the person of Christ. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.